All right, welcome again to the Transient Identity Podcast, where we obsess over everything consumer. Today, I have uh, the esteemed pleasure of um, talking with uh, two two good counterparts um, from Sightly. We've got Adam Katz today and Sajan Patel. And uh, look, you know, we kind of got into this dialogue before, and I said, "Hey, let's get them on the show." So we're going to talk about what I call the future state of esports. So, Adam, Sajan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. Absolutely. You, Absolutely. So thank you so much for joining today. I, I think, you know, we're going to get into a lot of sort of different aspects of esports. Uh, you know, look, current pandemic, COVID-19, you look at one thing that's really grown from a publisher standpoint that you could actually monetize and it's esports. I mean, that's just staggering when you think about a lot of uh, uh, the industries and categories that have really been built on the digital backbone. So, you know, it's that why esports and why now? So, you know, if you look at some of these, the, the, the stats that are starting to roll up, you know, from uh, uh, casual viewers growing to 307 million, you know, 250 million esports enthusiasts, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, a little over half a billion combined. Uh, it's going to reach, you know, reach 1.4 billion by 2018 and 2019 estimated 1.57 billion, you know sort of are aware of esports, like they understand what the term means, what the category means. So again, let's get back to that sort of why esports, sort of why now? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, the stats are staggering, obviously, but I think it's bigger than, than the stats. Like you, you just look at what's obvious in the world, right? A lot of the time I like to look at common sense and the human element on top of the stats. Yep. And let's use myself as an example. I haven't played video games actively or had my own video game system since my senior year of college. The day that this whole unfortunate crisis started, I went out on March 12th and ran to GameStop and got the last PS4 that was there. And then I tried to buy a Nintendo Switch, but it had already been sold out globally. So, and I'm outside of the age bracket of the people that everyone thinks are actually the people that are in t- inside of this world. So, you know, why sports, why, why esports, why now? I try to look at it, you know, from my own human and common sense element. I'm a huge sports fan. I'm one of those people that if you ask me, you know, who, who played, who was the 1996 quarterback on a college team, I can answer it today. Right. So I'm that big of a sports fan. I needed that competitiveness in my life, right? Right. So I went out and I, and I bought a system and I've been playing myself three to four hours today on, on 2K. So just me personally, I'm intrigued because I'm now invested, right? And so what's happening is I think, why esports, why now outside of just myself? It's just the trends that you said. And what's going to happen is as sports kind of eases back into the world, you're st- it's still not going to change that ability for people to want that competitiveness, that that new change, the environment and mindset of people now being in it. And then on top of that, why now? There is no sports that are live, right? right. Look at NASCAR, they're using real, real drivers in a virtual world. Look at NBA 2K. They just had NBA players play against each other. So I just think it's an, an obvious element and I hope that marketers are able to get out of some of that upfront dollars that were locked in and can really start to invest here and learn. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I just want to piggyback on Adam's point. I think with the current situation, I think we all know, and, and 
the result of people being home is that people are playing video games and also consuming that content. And esports obviously is a huge part of that. Um, there's been some, obviously, I think the it, it's good timing for the industry uh, in esports as a whole. I mean, while unfortunate situation, you know, viewership is up for obvious reasons, but also. Over the years, past few years, I think a lot of game developers have started building games around esports. So if you think about games from you know 10, 20 years ago, you have more casual games that you play at home with friends for fun. Um, more recently, game developers are building games for the specific goal of building a global league and fanship around. Uh, one example of that, and I have a little experience with this, just reading some articles and also playing a little myself, is that there is a new game coming out called Valorant. Mm -hmm. uh, it's coming out in the summer, and the game is still not publicly available. It's in closed beta right now, um, and the game just launched on closed beta. I think it was in you know mid to early April, and on the first day of closed beta, there were 1.7 million people watching streamers play the game on Twitch. That's insane. And the game is the game is still months away from coming out. Uh, it has not come out yet. Only certain people have access to it, and so. And this game has specifically been built by Riot Games, who is also the creator of League of Legends, which is the biggest esport in the world. Um, this game has specifically been made to turn into a global esport. Wow. The game hasn't come out yet, and there are already teams and players getting signed to teams for a game that has not been released, um, which is crazy to think about. But again, I think it's it's a culmination of two things. It's one, people being home and, and watching and a lot of the trends I think we'll dive into a little later on show that, and Albert, which you mentioned already, but also it's a, it's a matter of games being built for an esports audience, not for casual gamers. Gotcha. No, that's huge. When you talk talking about being built for the business versus casual gamers and people already fan-gating stuff that's not released yet. So it, it does right uh, nicely into the next point. Clearly esports is having a cultural moment right now. You know, instead of a series of below-the-line moments where, look, you know it goes on, but you'd have to be talking to the right person to know it's a thing. So... Here we go. Travis Scott performs in Fortnite. I mean, that's huge. Um, and, you know, I obviously watched the, 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 the clip of it. It was recorded on YouTube. My kids actually saw it live and kind of explained sort of the user experience. Then we got DJ G Nice hosting a, you know, social distancing, you know, Instagram party. Um, I mean, what else have you guys seen in the, 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 the marketplace? I mean, what sort of staying power do you envision? I mean, when you see big acts come into the play and obviously with a decent investment, um, you know, what else, what are the movements? And, and again, you know, it's usually when those, those, those kind of movements happen that you're like, okay, it's like, it's arrived, like for the masses. Yeah, I think it's a good question. Albert, I have a question on your podcast. So when you look at esports, are you classifying it across, you know, music, sports and all aspects, or are you, you've been thinking, you're just thinking of the general, video game landscape and virtual landscape probably more the general landscape because there's there's i don't think people realize how big the industry is and how, how much more bigger it is than the film industry just because it, it doesn't have those breakthrough moments it's not on the big screen quote unquote so but when you start to see these kind of movements like the ones i referenced you start to like people start to sort of like get it it really starts to click um, it was just curious as to what else you've seen that is like an indicator, like, okay, it's really arriving, uh, like arriving, right? Not like people were there in terms of enthusiasts and being aware of it. Like it's arriving to, do, to, to like a, a, a above the line conversation, the way we sit there and congregate about how we, what we've watched on TV, 
You know, did we watch the show? Did we see the episode series last night? How we merchandise that as social currency? That's what I'm talking about. It seems like we've arrived where where esports is is like it has like real social currency with with you know who we're connected to. I was I was texting with my friends as I was talking about earlier with the 2K tournament. I was texting with my friends and trying to analyze who would be the best gamer for the 2K tournament, right? <laughs> that the NBA was playing in. Yeah. So I know it's a ride for certain people. I think what's interesting is the, how massive the stats are, right? So we know that that's obvious. The question is going to become, does it stay arrived post what's going on right now when the world gets back to somewhat normalcy? Yep. Or not, right? I think the stats right now are, are massive. I think what we have to start to figure out is does those stats have staying power and in what capacity does it, right? Right. And I think personally, when you look at like the Travis Scott situation, you look at the DJ Nice situation, those are similar to me than when like, I don't know if, did you see Albert when the Hamilton cast, they surprised that young girl with their with her yeah. favorite song for her like yeah. birthday or something? I did. I don't know if you saw it. I did. Yeah, like, that went viral too. So I think all of these Zoom virtual esports situations, look at TikTok blowing up, right? Yep. The way it is. And it's TikTok's going up in age as we speak. Yep. So I think all these live experiences that are virtual or not are gonna become a lot of the new norm, especially as people are gonna struggle to to get themselves back into society the way it was. I don't I think that's a big factor here. Gotcha. So I've, I've seen in our in our world, um, brands answering emails about esports in an eager way, but also in a, I don't understand it yet way. <laughs> so people are looking to, to learn about it for sure. Yep. I think people are trying to figure it out but I think we have to start to think about in our world, like where does it fit in the funnel and what's gonna happen, but then also how is it gonna react post this? And I think you have somebody like myself who is now in the group because of what just happened. You know, so I, yep. I think it's it's kind of interesting to analyze from those angles if that helps you. Now it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and sort of piggybacking off that, specific to Fortnite, I think Fortnite is a very unique example of what I would consider the, I guess on the cutting edge of pioneering what esports really is, um, right? I think Adam and Allery both just said that esports, you traditionally think about, okay, video games, but it's, it's a lot more in the virtual world than just video games, right? There's music uh, related to that. There's a social networking part of that. And what Fortnite is building and a lot of, there was a lot of, um, you know, press around, you know, how Fortnite has grown so much as a game, but how it's moving to the future. I think, uh, I mean, there's numerous articles, one of them citing Mad Age, but that Fortnite has more in common with Facebook than it does with Call of Duty, which is crazy to think about. Wow. But it's true, where you know <laughs> they have a massive audience, and people are play the game, that's Fortnite, but also people come to Fortnite for a social experience with friends in a virtual world. So it's not simply playing a game, there's more to it. And that's exactly what you know Fortnite is doing by holding virtual concerts in the platform. Um, I think the current situation has helped them you know, somewhat in terms of people tuning in like this Travis Scott example where it's, you know, 17 million plus people tuned in on Fortnite to watch his concert. But if, but the previous most streamed 
uh, you know, virtual event of all time was also a Fortnite event before coronavirus. Yep. Where 11 million people tuned in to watch Marshmallow the DJ. So, you know, the viewership was there pre-coronavirus. Um, I think it'll be there afterwards. It's just a matter of, you know, a lot of brands and consumers are getting it's on both sides, right? People are learning what this is because it's just growing so much right now, right? As Adam mentioned, brands are confused about it. They're learning about it. Even viewers, there are new and more new viewers, especially outside of your your uh, you know expected demographic of young males, 18 to 24. You know, there are new viewers, older ages, females, multicultural, etc., coming to esports. So it's a learning curve for everyone. But Saj, don't you think that the stigma of those games makes it hard for for brands in general, and that's kind of the issue? I right. think so, but it, it's a learning curve, right? It, it's they also have to learn what goes on in these games, and there is the case to be said that hey, some brands just don't want to be running in video games, especially ones that have a shooting element to them, right? And that's a fair point. Um, but the games are a lot more than just what goes on in the game. There's a whole social aspect to it, especially in Fortnite, where you have millions of people gathering in one place to you know witness an event. You know, really, you don't see that. Often, even if, th- if you think about um, the biggest sporting events in the world, Super Bowl, the Olympics, etc., right? Th- this is this rivals that in, in a sense that you know millions of people gathering in one location to witness an event, right? So obviously the numbers aren't the Super Bowl level numbers, but you know it's a much newer thing than the football and the NFL in the U.S. especially. And so I-, I think it'll take time for people to learn it and get used to it, but I think it's inevitable that this will you know, take a bigger and bigger share of viewership. And at the end of the day, where the brands and advertisers need to go where the viewers are and if they're all, you know, on- I also saw, I saw something crazy, like with the, uh, the amount of money these Madden stars have made, right? Like to think about how crazy that is. I mean, I think you're gonna start to see a lot more dollars go to the people that are participating yep. in all of this world, which will, inevitably change the way it's perceived. It's funny how the world works when people make, you know, more money, people start to think something's more reputable. So I think that these Madden stars side, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, remember? Uh, I think these guys are gonna start obviously being bigger celebrities, but also making more money than they ever have before. So that will help change a lot of this as well. Gotcha. Good, that's great, great context guys. So look, we've, collectively all been in the digital space for quite some time and i think when people start talking about digitally they talk about what it rewards that you can't sort of get in an offline world uh in in particular the notion of depth um so when you start to think about what you can do with esports versus actual sports you see in person uh explain the depth that you think brands can gain in the realm of esports that a it's just not plausible in physical sports where you're watching and clapping and maybe talking to the person next to you in the the stadium, or it's simply just cost prohibitive. Like it would cost so much money. I mean, nobody would fund that, but I think that would be good when people start looking at the value of esports. what's the depth in terms of what a brand can do uh, relative to the behaviors of the user that in in an analog world, in a physical stadium, just essentially aren't possible. There aren't, there aren't points you can actually connect. Yeah, so from a depth perspective, I think the biggest thing with esports and, and why it, it you know, I, I think leads ahead of physical sports is really the engagement between athlete and team and viewer and fan, right? Um, 
and that engagement level is is super high. Uh, where I don't think the engagement level is as high when you talk about physical sports um, outside of this. And it's not that's not negative necessarily. It's just the way that this world works. Right. Right. So uh, I think when Albert we spoke a few days ago, the an example I gave was. When you think about esports and the athletes, right? What what do you do in your downtime, right? You're playing video games regardless. If, if if I'm an athlete and I'm playing, let's say I'm playing a league and we have you know games or, or matches every Sunday or, or weekend, right? I have six other days of the week that I'm either practicing or I'm just playing casually for myself, right? And as an athlete, you have thousands of people watching me casually play a game. That's a level of engagement that's hard to get with physical sports because I mean I think the example I gave was you don't necessarily get a chance to watch LeBron James practice free throws at his house. Right. Right. You don't get that in physical sports. And again, LeBron James obviously has interviews nonstop, pre-game, post-game, outside of that. Right. And so you have access to his content and what he's saying, but there's no one-to-one interaction. When when a a streamer who's an athlete streaming on Twitch, I'll use that example, uh, but YouTube being a big source of streaming as well, fans are commenting and chatting with, with the streamer while they're online. And streamers answers questions and talks back to fans. It's really having a one-on-one conversation. And, and while it's really one streamer and maybe you know 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 people watching that person play video games, that's where the depth comes from. And what that translates to is not only fans of those athletes, but then fans of those teams, fans of those leagues, and fans of those games. Right? It, it's, I agree. It's, I agree. It runs across everything, but it all stems down to the connection between the athlete and the fan, which in esports is very deep because of the nature of the way that things work with streaming. Gotcha. You also got to think about, Saj, I agree with you a million percent. And you also have to think about, you know, just reality of like, LeBron James not going to let people around him without security. <laughs> like, all jo- <laughs> like all jokes, you know what I'm saying? Like when celebrities walk, no, one's, no one wants to be approached like that. It actually gives a lot of these athletes and all the, the ability for them to interact without a level of nervousness or fear of the situation. And it's a lot more, you know, real, frankly. All these podcasts that like a lot of these guys do, I don't, I, a lot of them are pre-recorded. And on top of that, a lot of the stuff that they do is edited pretty heavily. So I thought it was really cool to watch, like I said, on the 2K tournament, how how real these guys were with each other right in the middle. They were having conversations about everything. And then on top of that, I didn't realize, Saj, you you knew this, but Devin Booker, who's a pretty big NBA star, is a a massive gamer to begin with. And he's like known for being in these leagues already. So you're starting to see that a lot of these people are actually, were already involved already, which I never knew prior. So me personally, like where Asajj was already involved in this heavily, I'm I'm starting to realize how massive this was even before I got myself involved. So I, I think the depth's interesting across the board. Right, right. No, it's fascinating. I mean, it is. It makes total sense. I mean, the degree of, the fact that there is a degree of separation you can employ through esports while being hyper-connected uh, just based on physical distance and, you know, exactly, you can't, get physically stalked, they're not a security Albert, risk. would you also agree that it'll help uh, parents and kids come together? I do. I think uh, there's a greater collectivism in sharing. I think the barrier to entry, in particular accessibility and costs, uh, is an easy factor 
Uh, it was probably what, you know, has made some of the, uh, um, you know, Xbox uh, and Nintendo games, you know, that had their watershed moment when it was family play versus just the one sort of gaming kid in the household. So absolutely. And, and, I, and I think, you know, it's one of those things that kind of takes us into the, the one of the other topics uh, really is this notion of community and you know Saj kind of said that hey you know uh, Fortnite has more in common with Facebook than of Call of Duty I mean that's a that's a massive statement there it's almost like in a future state you could go into Fortnite watch a performance of an artist listen to a DJ somebody uh, you know reveals or previews a fashion collection the announcement of a, uh, the drop of a new shoe comes out all sort of in the game community Versus in in a, in a world outside of that, you know, you, you basically just bounced on four different platforms to, to take in the same experience. So the the ability of the, the collectivism of pulling it together, I mean, that's just a major even cultural shift in how we think about esports. Uh, so, Sai, you're, you're definitely on to something. That point was probably what I found probably more fascinating in terms of what that means for the future of esports than anything. Um, the, the last thing I wanted to get into is really taking a page from what I would see as well-produced, well-merchandised, whether TV shows or, 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 or movies. So everybody probably remembers the TV show Lost. And the thing that was so fascinating about Lost is they created so many different ways for, for a user or an individual interested to come into the narrative. They, and they called it a transmedia approach, which was this whole idea of telling a story across, you know, multiple platforms, mostly digital in nature. But I mean, look, they had social networks, they had meetups, they had books, you had the series show. I mean, you could you could follow the Lost sort of trilogy in so many different ways. And I mean, this is absent the fact they didn't even have any merchandise in like Star Wars. But I mean, the, the reality of it is if you were an, a- an advertiser brand hooked to, to Lost, your, your point of reference or exposure hit so many touch points. So it seems like esports will be primed for something like that. You know, the fact of the matter is, is like there's not just one through line, that's it. It's not just one integration in one major game that you, you could show up in the landscape. So if you guys can kind of, you know, lay out what the blueprint or what the footprint might look like in, in such a quote unquote transmedia approach if somebody were looking at esports, because I'm assuming the possibilities as it expands just could continue to get more and more vast. Yeah, Saj, you want to take that first and I'll give my perspective? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think the way that the esports world is set up from the league's, the team's perspective lends itself to this type of strategy because it's just such a vast audience. And most of the teams that are out there, the way the organizations are set up, they're reaching very different types of gamers. And uh, let me sort of give some background on that. Um, so most esports organizations have teams. They have teams that operate on many different, in many different games and, sport, and you know, uh, air quotes, esports, right? They might have teams that play in, you know, Call of Duty. They might have a team that plays in Fortnite. They might have a team that plays in Counter-Strike and et cetera, and FIFA and Madden and NBA, that same one team. And the audience for Madden is a different audience than, you know, who would tune in for Counter-Strike or Call of Duty or for FIFA. And so they're just such a vast audience that the storytelling can be so vastly different, but you know, immersive in the same way because you're hitting such a wide variety of people. Right. It's as if, you know, think of, let's say, um, 
uh, okay, I can give an example. Let's say one person or one you know group owned a team in the MLB, the NFL, NHL, you know, all the major sports, and they and then those are different fans. But the, the case in in sports. Um, in that sense is that they're physically restricted, right? You assume that the majority of your fans for, uh, I'll say the New York Jets are going to be located in New York and then you have a sprinkle outside of New York uh, because naturally you have, you're, you're physically locked into your fandom. In esports, the physical location is not really a barrier because, you know, people are watching globally and you're streaming globally. So you, I can be a fan of any team from anywhere I am in the world. Um, so the fandom is just wider spread and what that allows for brands and you know marketers trying to tap into this audience is they can weave a story for many different audiences and you know fans at the end of the day that tells their coherent brand story. I think Adam can add more to that. Right, right. Well, Albert, you know, question back to you. Do you want to look at it from from the business perspective or from just the, the side of the esports perspective? would be my question back to you. Yeah, I think when someone tries to size it up, they have to say, look, when you go into a typical stadium sponsorship, the canvas, the, the hardscape is locked. You know, you get certain kind of signage, certain kind of presence here and there. Boom, boom, boom. Are you really part of the fan experience? And, you know, unless you're going to do something at halftime to tie into that, not really. You know, unless you're going to have t-shirts shot out of a cannon into the, into the fan stands, not really. But when you think about esports, it's like, wow, we could we could look at sponsorships, in in game integration, sponsor an athlete, sponsor a team. I mean, it's pretty vast. So, you know, it's it's, and I'm look, I'm just speaking off the cuff. I think it'd be great to hear this perspective of how much is in the you could you throw in the sandbox, even at a high level, and saying here's just all the ways to think about it. Because I think that's what's going to be most daunting, as with anything that's digitized, is that what what. What does the landscape look like? I mean, you know, the, the point of entry seems relatively easy, but what are all the things I can get my hands on to start to think about? Yeah, I think I think it's a good question. Can I t- I'm gonna take it a little bit of a different direction, if you don't mind. Sure, go ahead. So I think personally, politics of the way media has been bought forever is one of the bigger problems in esports right now. Right. Uh, you got upfront dollars locked in that shouldn't have been and now you know next year we know that's probably not going to be the case because people are going to start to realize to nimbly buy media and a smart dynamic media plan versus a set media plan agreed and i I think that will shape more dollars free for esports but i also think people have to start looking at it from a very interesting mentality right there's going to be the live esports that are happening then there's going to be the sharing of it later Yep. There's going to be the watching of it after. There's going to be who buys it where and what brand and agency, right? As you saw with kind of the CTV chase over the last year or two. So I, I think I think there's so much opportunity for brands and advertisers. and But the blueprint is absolutely not going to be written for a while, right? Because a lot of people in this current time frame, especially from a marketing perspective and from a business perspective, are going to really, really be debating ROI versus just branding right now. Right, right. Knowing financially where people stand. So when you're looking to go after these massive type of audiences from a sponsorship standpoint, price becomes an issue. But when you're trying to look at it from more of a nimble standpoint, you can do it 
but then you're not learning as much. I think there's a, a, a balance act that has to happen. I think you're going to see some very specific brands lean in, like you saw that BMW article. Yep. You see what's going on out there. I think politically, the industry has to shift a little bit to make more dollars fall in this realm. Um, but I do think from an engagement, from a human's element, and from the ability to get more and more value from an individual caring about your brand, showing that your brand has that human element about it, this is a phenomenal place to play in. So I think it's hard to answer the question of what the blueprint will be yet, but uh, if you want to have us back in, in about eight to 12 weeks, we can tell you more. <laughs> and then you can have me back 12 weeks after and then we can tell you again. But I think the the timeline's un, unrealistic to know right now and nor is the blueprint. But I do think the political aspect of advertising and getting money to go in the right aspect um, right now versus the way it's been flowing for a long time will change the speed to people putting their money here and appreciating it. Because you did say something earlier, Albert, that I just wanted to comment on. Like when you're at a game, right? And they're throwing out the shirts with Chase on it or whatever it may be. But they're also at the game where the person who sponsors whatever it may be I'm not really paying attention to that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like right. I put on the Knicks t-shirt that goes into the crowd. I don't even look the chases on it. I could care less. So I think the way the brand interacts inside of the experience is going to make this industry more and more valuable. Absolutely. So that's kind of the way I see it. But I do think the industry landscape is going to have to shift and dollars are going to have to move in a specific way to make this thing work, if that helps kind of answer a different perspective. No, absolutely, absolutely appreciate it. And look, yeah, it's not lost to me as well. I think uh, a lot of what's happened with the you know current pandemic is gonna, look, everybody's marketing playbook's gotta be rewritten. Everybody's financial plan's gotta be redone. And people are gonna start to look, take a hard look at the, the true sort of value proposition of their spend. And I think as they move to understanding beyond what digital but what esports can reward that you just can't do in an analog world especially when things like this happen then a lot of the mindsets will essentially change and if we have more cultural moments like you know the travis scott thing at Fortnite, then people will realize the the bigness of it of, of sort of signals that time has come well look gentlemen this was uh this was outstanding and you know adam i have to take you up on your offer in getting uh, a, a follow-up session around esports i think once we it starts to get to a place and get some momentum, then maybe we start to lay out what, what that blueprint could be, a footprint could look like that's being exercised the most. But uh, pleasure having both of you gentlemen on the show. We enjoyed it very, very much, and we, we wish you the best of luck with everything. Absolutely. You guys so take care. Yo, you're welcome. You guys take care and be safe.